Blog Talk Radio. Travel in time 
I can do is the best I can and go there in my mind. So I close my eyes, imagine I'm there, hide and seek musical chairs, hot summer nights and the cool winter snow from once upon a long time ago I smile as I look back on roads I've crossed traveling down memory lane but without all of those that I've loved and lost life is not the same Good times I can recall to all I've loved. God bless you all. The happiest moments that I'll ever know were once upon a long time ago. Philadelphia and Boston, and a unique new dining service is worth writing home about. Choose from a selection of superb entrees like lobster Newburgh, filet mignon with Bordelais sauce, prepared as you like it. Eastern 727 Jet, quiet as a library. The smartest way to leave town? Come fly with Eastern. You guys, the 727, it was uh, the main, trans- I guess it was the main aircraft for a long, long time with Eastern. We have other airplanes on the on the line, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, uh, There was an article that was sent to me, and I posted it on Facebook, and it was called The Age, the Boeing 727. We'll read that in just a minute, but first of all, I want to talk about uh, organization, the Retired Eastern Pilots Association I have on the air right now with me is the former president of, of uh, REPA, as it's called, Jim Holder. Jim, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing good. Good. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, a, 
uh, an audit that we received from Auburn University just uh, the other day. It was sent to me because I'm the last living survivor of the group that founded the scholarship, the Retired Eastern Pilots uh, Scholarship Program. And, um, and at any rate, there goes my phone. Don't know who that is, but at any rate, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> uh, and at any rate, they keep us informed once a year, or twi actually twice a year. And that uh, was a very good report that we received from Auburn, which was chosen to uh, receive scholarships. The students there were chosen to receive scholarships that were in aviation programs, and they had to be juniors at the time of receiving these scholarships. Well, it started in 2003 when Captain Gene Stevens was the president of REPA, and uh, and he had in his mind that uh, he would do a a scholarship program because he had received uh, some money from another program that uh, kind of uh, uh, went out of business, you might say, and had some money and gave it to uh, turned it over to. Uh, Gene and Gene put it in a 4013C. I think that's what they're called, but it really wasn't necessary because we found Auburn University that really wanted uh, the the uh, scholarship program. We looked at Embry Riddle and and we looked at Auburn and chose Auburn and and uh, they're doing a wonderful job with the program. We get letters from the students, the two students every year that receive the scholarship from the uh, Association, the Retired Pilots Association Scholarship, and um, they all say it really helps them. Covers uh, it's not a large scholarship program, but at least two of them are given every year, and the money has grown. The fund has grown to the last report, uh, Jim. And if you see any of the officers up there, Repa might report to them that it's now up to a hundred and twelve thousand dollars in that. Mm. Uh, scholarship program and it's invested along with all the other scholarship programs of large corporations and even Delta's I uh, think uh, has a scholarship program there at Auburn they have a wonderful aviation program engineering aerospace and professional pilot programs and some of the some of the recipients in the past uh, have, re have been in different programs space engineering aerospace engineering, some uh, wants, they, they want to be commercial pilots, so they take a professional pilot course, and, um, and so in aviation management, they have a program there too. So it's a good program, and uh, it'll be around long after we uh, leave the face of the earth, guys, and Eastern name will still be around in the form of giving back to aviation. What we what we had with our airlines, and with our group of uh, pilots that uh, formed this this uh, wonderful scholarship program. Um, you like to add anything to that, Jim? No, I think you covered it quite well. Uh, and I we had a reunion over there a couple of years ago, and uh, Silver Falcons, I think, and we were able to see the facility and it is first class the computers and the students are sitting in the flying them learning to fly yeah. and looking forward to a great career when they finish yeah they gave us a real good tour of the facility about 40 of us i think went great was there for that tour 
Well, here's a letter that was sent to me I received, and uh, it reads, Dear Retired Eastern Airlines Pilots Association, we hope you enjoyed your 2021-2022 scholarship impact report. You have a tremendous impact on Auburn University students, and we hope report gave you a glimpse of the life-changing support that your organization provides. Not only is your support vital, but so is your feedback. We need your help shaping future reports. Would you please take a few minutes to fill out this short survey, which I did, uh, on your scholarship program. If you have questions about this report, uh, and uh, she leaves the uh, phone number of uh, the one that manages uh, the scholarship programs at Auburn. And thank you for all that you do for Auburn University. War Eagle. Go War Eagle, she says at the end. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, it's good that uh, we have uh, donations in charitable organizations. This is a form of chari charity, but it's, uh, it's, these, these kids really work hard to keep their grades because their grades have got to be a certain grade point average. It has to be almost a four. I think it's three point something. It's real close to a 4.0. And, um, and like I say, you have to be a junior or a senior to receive um, the Eastern uh, Scholarship Awards uh, every year. They're given in April. Every April they award uh, two scholarships out of our funds. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, that's uh, the report there. And uh, thanks so much. Pass the word, Jim. You're up there in the Atlanta area where – most of the officers of REPA reside. Uh, oh, by the way, can you give us a report or having the reunion next year? Uh, I truly do not know. Uh, I know that it was planned that when the one was canceled for this year, that we're going to have it next year, but that, that remains to be seen. Okay. Well, keep us posted, and uh, we'll okay. announce it. And uh, besides Jim Holder, Captain Jim Holder with us from the Atlanta area, we also have Al Jenkins, who worked in maintenance there and is still living in the Atlanta area. Hello, uh, Al. How you doing? Doing fine. How's everybody doing? Well, everybody can't answer, but I'll say fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, And Mark, Mark Porter is down in the Miami area, and he's got some interesting things that uh, we'll talk about toward the end of the program. And, and Mark, uh, I'm sure you got a, uh, an interesting report because we haven't heard anything from the New Eastern in a couple of weeks since we have not been on the air. But, I do. Okay, very good. But I want to read a, a letter that was sent to me from Norma Jean Borger. Norma Jean had been a host on the show years ago. And by the way, the radio show is in its 11th year this month in its 11th year. Mm -hmm. So we've completed 11 years of broadcasting. I think it's pretty phenomenal that, that uh, we are still on the air and, and uh, heard around the world, 50 countries around the world. I look at uh, the map as shown to me uh, every time I schedule a show and the statistics are there to show which countries are continuing to listen to our broadcast. Don't know what time they listen, but uh, they, they pick it up on the Internet, of course. Uh, Norma Jean writes this. She said, how lucky I was to 
be there in 1964 when the Boeing 727 was first introduced. And once a week, Captain Paul Slayton, and Jim, you and I both know Paul pretty well, and once a yep. week, Captain Paul Slayton would, uh, Slayton would fly a new one into Miami from Renton, Washington, on the tarmac behind Building 22, where I worked. It was parked. Glory days indeed. And she thanks Captain George. I'm not going to say who uh, Captain George is. He wants his last name withheld, but... At any rate, uh, he sent me this article, and I want to read it, and then we'll talk about it and see what you guys, what your thoughts are. And it's titled, The Age of the 727. I posted this on Facebook, and I had a tremendous amount of feedback, even from my grandson, who I think has divorced me as a grandfather. But at any rate, <laughs> here's the way the article goes. Those were the good old days. Pilots back then were men that didn't want to be women or girly men. Pilots all <laughs> knew who Jimmy Doolittle was. Pilots drank coffee, whiskey, smoked cigars, and didn't wear digital watches. They carried their own suitcases and brain bags like the real men they were. Pilots didn't bend over into the crash position multiple times each day in front of the passengers at security so that some government agent could probe for tweezers or fingernail clippers or too much or too much toothpaste in the tube. Pilots did not go through the terminal impersonating a caddy pulling a bunch of golf clubs, computers, guitars, and feed bags full of tofu and granola on a sissy trailer with no hat and granny glasses hanging on a pink string around their pencil neck while take uh, while talking to their personal trainer or on their cell phone. Being an airline captain was as good as being the king in a Mel Brooks movie. All the stewardesses, also known as flight attendants, were young, attractive, single women that were proud to be combatants in the sexual revolution. They didn't have to turn sideways, grease up, and suck it in to get through the cockpit door. They would blush and, and say thank you when told they look good, instead of filing a sexual harassment claim. Junior stewardesses shared a room and talked about men with no thought of substitutions. Passengers wore nice clothes and were polite. They could speak and understand English. They didn't speak gibberish, gibberish, I guess it would pronounce, or listen to loud gangster rap on their iPods. They bathed and didn't smell like a rotten pile of garbage in a jogging suit and flip-flops. Children didn't travel alone, commuting between trailer parks. There were no biggest losers asking for a seatbelt extension or a scotch and grapefruit juice cocktail with a twist. If the captain wanted to throw some offensive ranting jerk off the airplane, it was done without any worries of a lawsuit or getting fired. Actual flow engines, axial, flow engines, the sound of freedom, and left an impressive black smoke trail like a locomotive burning soft coal. Jet fuel was cheap, and once the throttles were pushed up, they were left there. After all, it was the jet age, and the idea was to go fast, run like a lizard on a hardwood floor. The economy cruise was something in the performance book, but no one knew why or where it was. When the clacker went off, 
No one got all tight and scared because Boeing built it out of iron. Nothing was going to fall off, and that, that sound had the same effect on real pilots then as Viagra does now for these new age guys. <laughs> there are very little plastic and no compos com composites on the airplanes and stewardesses, pectoral regions. Airplanes and women had eye-pleasing symmetrical curves, not a bunch of ugly vortex generators, ventral, fin ventral fins, winglets, flow diverters, tattoos, rings in their nose, tongues and eyebrows. Airlines were, were run back then by men like C.R. Smith, Juan Tripp, Eddie Rickenbacker, Pat Patterson, and Bob Six, who built their companies virtually from scratch, knew most of their employees by name, and were lifetime airline employees themselves, not pseudo-financiers uh, and bean counters who flipped from one occupation to another for a few bucks, a better parachute or a fancier title while fervor fervently believing that they are a class of beings unto themselves. And so it was back then, and never again will be again. Damn. Flying is a second greatest thrill known to man. What is the first, you ask? Landing, of course. <laughs> And that's the that's article, a great article that was posted on Facebook on several pages. I got several comments, most all favorable, from those that flew airplanes back in uh, in our day. I like that non-sissy day uh, that was described in there. But um, uh, the Boeing 727 was a was an airplane that I said in one of my comments. When you got on board, it was like pulling out your, hand, your flight bag a pair of gloves and sliding them on because that's exactly what you did with that airplane when you flew it. You felt comfortable with it. You felt like you were wearing it like a pair of gloves. What's your thoughts, Jim and Mark and Al, about I working on them? really well them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've just, I've just gone to this uh, – it. I'm trying to see how it expands. I see you got a lot of comments here. And oh God! Yeah, the age of seven twenty-seven. See more. Good Lord. Yeah, and, yeah. And even <laughs> and even my grandson called me and divorced me. He said I don't yeah. want to be your grandson anymore. <laughs> Sent in by Captain George. I ain't gonna ask you what George's last name is. Yeah, we won't. We won't. We'll while. leave George's name off. Okay. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, George didn't write this article. It was written by another fellow, and I'm, I didn't uh, give him credit. I didn't know if he wanted me to, but I left his name out because it was on the it was on the internet and it was sent out, and so I assumed that uh, he meant for anyone and everyone to read it, and it was a good article. Mm -hmm. Because that airplane really did start a lot of things. Even though the Boeing 720 was out there in the 707, the 707 rather was out there first, but uh, the 727 had a purpose. And uh, and I don't know about maintenance. Uh, yeah, I do know a little bit about maintenance because I flew that airplane for about eight years. I don't know how long you flew it, Jim. You flew it longer than I did, I believe. Yeah, I did. But it was yeah, expensive. I flew it about that aircraft. 
It was what? You know, I think it, I, expensive. I think I think if Pan Am and Eastern had flown, let's say the seven three seven, you know, the three hundred, the four hundred, the you know, starting with the two hundred, I think that would have helped them out financially tremendously. Would not have been as exciting, but that seven twenty seven, you know, especially with that the third engine, became very high in maintenance. Yeah, well, Al, you worked on them, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, it wasn't well, the seven seven. Seven twenty seven had three uh, engines because it had a lot of fuel that enabled to go places the seven thirty seven couldn't go. And yeah, it also right. had three mm-hmm. engines to be able to go right. in and out of small airports. That's that the right. Two engine airplanes couldn't go. Seven thirty seven seven twenty seven was built for a certain flight regime, and it did it perfectly. And Jim and and uh, Al, did did you have any trouble on the maintenance end of it? I mean, it didn't give the mechanics much uh, much of a problem. Did you just replace parts and that type of thing? It's not a complicated airplane, even though it had a complicated wing. Uh, that wing was a radical design for Boeing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and the pilots, you know, they were taught different ways to 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 fly that airplane. But uh, how about the systems mm-hmm. to work on them, uh, Al? And the systems were good. Uh, the engines were easy to remove and uh, replace because uh, I replaced some, removed and replaced some by myself. So it's a, it's a good airplane to work on. Yeah, great airplane. It's, it's and, a safe airplane, too. If you have a 737, loses an engine on takeoff, you've lost a half your power. If a 727 yeah. <laughs> lost an engine on takeoff, you've lost a third of your power. And believe yeah. me, there's a lot of difference between a third and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the remark in that uh, article. said we pushed the throttles up on takeoff and left them there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not and, sure. I think it's true you'd be going supersonic. You had to pull now, them back somewhere. <laughs> now, let me, talk, let me tell folks that don't know about the clacker. <laughs> The clacker was a high-speed buffet, and and when you were at a high speed over, over the maximum, the optimum speed at the cruising altitude, or for any altitude for that matter, you get this high-speed clacker come on, and I mean it was a noisy son of a gun too, you know. And I mm-hmm. used to I, I used to fly with this old guy named uh, Jim Aber uh, Crumbly, Jim Abercrombie. Ab. We called him Ab. And he was from World War II, and he wore his tie and his shirt under that second mm-hmm. button, between the second and third he button. Sure he, did. Tucked, <laughs> he tucked that tie right in there uh, along his skin on the inside, and that's the way he wore it. And I used to fly with him, and it was so much fun to fly with Ab because when we were cleared to descend, we came down at the clacker, and I hear the clacker going off. Who's got that clacker sound? <laughs> but anyway, right? I asked him one time. I said, "Ab, what does that that noise represent to you?" And, and I didn't know what he was going to answer back. But I was sitting in the engineer's seat because we were seat swapping in those days. And Ab turned around and looked at me, and he says, "It's I'm doing the best I can do." That's what it sounds. That's what the sound is. I'm doing the best I can. Plane do. was talking to him, huh? Yeah. 
Well, I tell you, I flew with Ab, and when you flew with Ab, you were almost an astronaut. We went real high, 390, yeah. I tell you, he got up there, and I remember coming from New York one time. We were going at night. It was a lightning and thundering, and you could hear all these guys down there around 29 and 31. They'd, Give me a vector kiss. I want to go there. And we was up <laughs> yeah. there, and it's smooth there, just listening to it, smiling, heading toward Atlanta. And Ab liked those night turnarounds. He loved those night right. coaches. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was his. He wanted to be home every night, every day. He wanted to be home. And Hoyt Nunn and yeah. I used to fly with him regularly. You remember Hoyt Nunn? Yes, I do. And, I'll uh, tell you a little quickie about Ab. Yeah. Ab had a Cadillac, and he got it stolen out of his carport. It made him mad, so he got another Cadillac to replace that one, and he bought a used Cadillac to park below him. If they're going to steal a car, they're going to get a used Cadillac next time. <laughs> 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 he, he was I miss those else. old guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and they were the age of the 727. You know, mm-hmm. it was a great airplane to come off prop airplanes too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. because we were used to stick and rudder flying. I called it. Uh, we had the old old engines, the old dials, and uh, I mean they were a little bit upgraded from a Piper Cub. But but on the propeller airplanes and uh, had a lot of engine instruments. We had more engine instruments than, I think, rivets on the airplane, you know, <laughs> especially those four-engine airplanes like the Constellation. I mean, you had to really be an engineer to sit in that back seat. I think you engineered on that airplane, Jim, and flew it too. Connie. No, I didn't engineer on the Connie. I flew the Connie in the military and at Eastern, too. Yeah. Good airplane. But, uh, but yeah, we, we were in the old days, and when we got that new airplane, that 727, well, it had it had familiar instruments, but um, we, we were first taught, and I think you and I were in some of the first classes on that airplane because it arrived on the property in 1964. And um, I was in the engineer slot in the 1964 or 65 and went to school on it. And it was not a complicated airplane. It really wasn't. And then I worked myself up to the right seat and seat swapped in between and then had uh, most of my time on a commercial transport airplane was on the 727. And as captain, I think I checked out on it in 1972 or 73, 73, I believe it was. And um, what a wonderful airplane. And you just felt so comfortable flying it. But uh, initially, they said you got to push the airplane on, the, on through the runway because of that wing. And um, a couple of people, I think a few people tried it, and uh, they, they gave up on trying to do that, and they... And they said, it, no, just fly it like old Slim Cox used to say, fly it like you're wearing a bow tie, <laughs> like you're landing a tailwheel airplane. And um, I don't think I ever got the tail scared. Uh, did you, Jim? No, I think that will admit a couple of times. That we'll admit to anyhow. <laughs> Max Gross, Man, I, must say I, 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 I enjoyed the, the thrust of the 727. Yeah. Because if you're if you're on a short runway and you're 
taking off over the Caribbean waters, you prayed that that thing would make it. (laughs) And the pilot said, no doubt. But I've seen that airplane. I've been on it. When you get to the end of the runway and you're ready to to crash, and you open your (laughs) eyes and you're about 20 feet over the water. And you're just well, like, oh, Mark, shoot. that used to that used to happen out of Atlanta. Even Atlanta had long runways when we had the old lead sleds. You remember that, Jim? Mm-hmm. They put underpowered well, engines into a, a longer airplane, and it just didn't have power to get out of its way. Well, hmm. I'll tell you, I I had a lot of time on a 727. I did turnarounds from Bermuda to Aruba. And back in one day, I did. I came out of Port of Art in Mexico, nonstop to Boston. Cause this was mm-hmm. an ATA, and we had an extra five thousand pounds of tank in the belly of the airplane. But you know, you're talking some long distance for a three-engine airplane. Yeah. From Port yeah. of Art mm-hmm. to Boston, and, and Aruba to Boston, I did them both. Yeah, and there's, it made it. Yeah, there's another uh, part of this of this uh, article that. Um, a lot of folks don't remember, but the paragraph that states airlines were run by men like C.R. Smith, Juan Tripp, mm. Eddie Rickenbacker, Pat Patterson, and Bob Six. Can can any of you guys identify which airline C.R. Smith was with? American, wasn't it? American, that's right. How about Juan Tripp? Mm-hmm. Pan Am. Pan Am. Yeah. Pan Am. How about Eddie Rickenbacker? Mm-hmm. If you don't know that, I, 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 I never heard of him. Yeah. How about Pat Patterson? United. United. How about Bob Six? Continental. Continental. Now, wasn't Bob, Bob Six married to a movie star? I uh, I know he committed suicide. I believe he shot himself. I didn't know that. Yeah, I believe hmm. it was. Bob Six. No, I'm thinking about Maureen O'Hara. She was married to another guy. I forgot. Maybe it was Bob yeah, Six. Yeah. Well, she was married to the one that crashed down in the Caribbean. What did flying the flying boat? Married to the oh yeah, Braniff? Braniff guy. Braniff guy. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they were. As a matter of fact, those guys with the main airlines had their own private exclusive club out in um, in New Mexico. And uh, it was a ranch that they had all bought. And uh, you can find that. I forgot the name of it. It's a Mexican name that they they titled it. And they met there every year, once a year. And they all swapped lies and stories and drank a lot of of drinks and smoked a lot of cigars and rode horseback. And and, um, it was kind of a getaway from their airline moment. And... They all met there. They don't do things like that anymore. Oh, they cutthroat nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine Lorenzo at a meeting like that? <laughs> His throat would be cut. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, Neil, well, I got a question for you. Go. Uh, who is Weston Holland? Is that somebody related to you? That's my that's my grandson. Oh, he holds this disgusting piece of a misconception. That's your grandson. He did. <laughs> well, yeah, goodbye, Grandpa. I say thanks for that. Yeah, I hope he, he was kidding. <laughs> no, I think he was very serious. Very serious. How old is he? How old is he? Uh, 
I think he's about 31, 32 years old now. Oh, yeah. In his oh, yeah. 30s. Yeah. He's a chef yeah. at a resort out in Arizona. And my son's uh-huh. a, a child. And uh, my son and, and his first wife, uh, Weston's mother, they divorced mm-hmm. after I think Weston was about four years old, somewhere around there. And uh, mm-hmm. But... At any rate, uh, it didn't sound too good. I guess he thought I wrote the article, but uh, of course I didn't write. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't write something this good, <laughs> <laughs> especially when it started talking about tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> If it's put on the internet, it's out there for everybody, everyone. So be it careful is that, yeah. what you post on yep. the internet. <laughs> well, oh, I want Mark, 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 tell us a little bit about what's happening to the new Eastern. Give me a couple of minutes of what what you know about what's going on. Well, I'm not sure they even know, but um, <laughs> so the article was written on uh, Eastern uh, from a cargo. Um, Magazine, Eastern had acquired 35 aircraft for the company, and 33 were going for the cargo, and two were going for the commercial. So if you just think of that right there, why well, go to all the licensing for the commercial to bring only two 777s on board? So the the guy has to be wrong there. I mean, it has to be the original seven or, or eight that they had planned. And then secondly. Uh, the CEO has planned to use the 777s with passenger doors and load a whole main first and first wow. door first 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 uh, where the passengers are uh, by hand. <laughs> they couldn't okay. be in a container. Yeah. They must be in small boxes. <laughs> yeah, and and so that's the 777-200. They also have five 777-300s. So airports are beginning, are quickly saying, no, we don't want you here because it's way too time consuming. So I don't quite understand. I don't understand why he just doesn't bite the bullet now. He's already going to miss the holiday season and just put in cargo doors on the aircraft that he's getting ready. Instead of trying to say, okay, we're going to just go to the airport's that imagine this. We're going to go just to the airports that want us with our 777s, 200s, and 300s, and have them manually unloaded. Mm. And we know that they have an agreement, for example, with uh, how do you say it? Khalifa? Khalifa? Or, or? Khalida. Connie Khalida. Khalida. And um, so they'll be work. They'll be working out of Detroit, but then you have to have the airports. You can't carry Toledo's cargo or DHL's cargo or 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 Amazon's or anything who will lease the planes um, if um, they won't the airport won't take you. And then thirdly, all pilots will be ACMI. So the ten or twelve seven 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 pilots that have been trained to fly the seven seven seven, that's too many for two aircraft. So I think they're a little worried about their, their job. 
here right now when the CEO announced that all the 777 for 33 will be flown ACMI. Well, well, wait a minute, Mark. I'm from the old age, the age of the 727. There are too many mm-hmm. acronyms in this world today, and I have no idea what ACMI means. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, well, so okay, for us what, old guys, they, tell us what it means. Okay, it's and we'll go out and hire, uh, lease, yeah, kind of hire, hire pilots to come fly for them, so that the insurance costs, the pilots, uh, they pay totally separately, and they work that then into the um, the lease agreement with, let's say, Amazon or with um, um, DHL or, or UPS, whoever needs the aircraft. So they will work the pilots that they're hiring on a temporary basis and the insurance um, so they don't have to worry about the, the aircraft. Um, and they'll work that into the deal with, let's say, Amazon. Um, instead of it being a dollar, it'll be a dollar. I'm just using it as a reference. It'll be a dollar fifty to lease the aircraft, um, and well, it will well, save you're them. Are saying that ACMI the, means air crew management? Uh, yeah, it, but yeah, right. But um, they have twelve trained seven 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 pilots. So my mm. next question is: Are they also going to be doing? ACMI on the commercial side, and what happens to these 12 trained 777 pilots that have been that came in here specifically to fly the 777? I know there's a shortage of pilots, and these pilots are being trained. But do you let them go now to fly for another airline? You know, just mm-hmm. uh, just thought. And uh, they're waiting for the. Uh, I was uh, uh, well. Um, if Eastern gets the, the approval for the fleet expansion from 10 to 18, then they're going to uh, not have enough pilots to fly the aircraft. You know, because mm-hmm. I can see that in the future, after I have run out of the runway and uh, I, I have, I've gone somewhere else. Uh, I can see that the future of aviation is going to be very, very, very chaotic mm-hmm. with electric airplanes, drone airplanes, uh, crews swapping from one company to another. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I, I don't. I don't think there's going to be a loyalty thing. Wow. I mean, the way the, the way the CEO is running this right now is that what's the difference then in going out and getting your part-time flight attendants, <laughs> you know, that our mechanics, some, our mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And so I think he's looking at this. Yeah. Cost saving, but I mean, think about it. He had, uh, they have eight, seven, six, sevens and they're flying to, uh, Ecuador and Uruguay and, uh, Paraguay and getting ready for, um, um, uh, Brazil and, uh, Miami and, and the JFK, and they do DOD Department of Defense work, but then all of a sudden the the Afghan thing fell apart, so the Afghans need to come back. So the Department of Defense 
Um, does anyone know what the fleet, what percentage of your fleet you reserve for the DOD? I have no idea. I mean, it uh, sounds to me like you'd third or something, wouldn't you? Max? I mean, it doesn't seem like I don't know. Eastern, I know Eastern flew the MAC operation. I don't know. I, did, I never knew there was a percentage of airplanes that each airline had to contribute to the warfare or, you know, whatever. Did mm-hmm. you, Jim? Because it can't. No. Well, it, 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 it was a number, though. There was a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the CEO pulls all his aircraft from the commercial side. And also tells all those people who have tickets. I'm, I'm sorry, we had we had to stop service. Ah. And leaves them scrambling to get to their destination, whether it's back to their country or to the United States. And sends all those aircraft on DOD to Germany and, and other countries to get the Afghans to bring them to the United States. Because, yes, it is more lucrative. But you don't do that to your commercial side. You don't pull all your aircraft. And they only have three destinations, so why not have two aircraft left and use six? Mm. <laughs> you know? Well, so. so I shouldn't hold my breath for a C-3 pass <laughs> on the new Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm still I've, – I've suggested that too because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, yeah. something is better than nothing. Yeah. And by well. not using a hub and spoke system, they're losing their shirt. But – if you look at Wikipedia, which is up to date, it says that the Woolley family doesn't own Eastern anymore. What happened? It says it's owned. It says it's owned by Olga Aluf, who is CEO of El Al Airways, who was a Russian family who fled um, Stalin and went to Denmark, and now is one of the most powerful Israeli Jewish families. And then Ken Woolley now owns Tus Airways, and the other 49.1% is owned by an Israeli company who is with El Al. Are you following this? <laughs> and their first destination is Tel Aviv. Huh. So hmm. I really think that El Al, Eastern, Tus Airways, Arkea, that, Tus, that uh, El Al just bought, and, and Swift Air, are going to be one massive code share airline, if not one airline. Because mm. there are two people here that own, Woolly owns into iAerial group, group, which is Swift. He owns 40% of that. He owns Tus Airways, and he owns four, 30% of Eastern, and the rest is owned by this Israeli conglomeration that owns El Al, Eastern, and um, tooth. Are you saying tooth like teeth? Are yes. you saying tooth like something? Yeah, It's a tooth airline. It's a air airline in Crete that has two A320s and is buying five more, and is buying an A330-200, and will provide service to all the Caribbean. And yeah. um, mm. and that wow. Ken Woolley owns fifty one point one percent. Well, you know we've been keeping track of uh, what Ed Weagle is up to through Facebook. That uh, his wife Susan has been posting about the airplanes that uh, the company that he's a CEO and chairman 
uh, doing it's mm-hmm. called Global Global X, and I think they've taken delivery of their second airplane. But uh, and they operating the headquarters are still in the Miami area. So uh, yeah, he 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 just got a bad deal there with the backer of uh, Eastern on when it started up the second time, because yeah. you do have to have funds and you do have to not be scared because an airline will cost you money. I pulled out the financials of Woolley um, from back to 2015, some of his stock and it'd be a million dollars, stuff like this. Well, in 2020, he converted about $15 million and that's to keep Eastern going. And that's a lot of money because they already had about 70, I mean 70, about 700 million. So to pull another, um, but you're going out and you're buying 35 aircraft and then you're buying an airline and you're, so he's spending money rapidly, but to build, you know, pull out a million dollars, $2 million, and all of a sudden about 50 million. Well, Mark, Mark, it's two or $3 million. You know, we were talking about, Money that to me is like twenty dollars, and uh, but now we're talking about billions. I mean, a million dollars. Yeah. I wouldn't think a, a few million dollars wouldn't last in the airline in, industry more than about a year, maybe six months. But you got to have billions of dollars, and now we got a guy that's racing to become the first trillionaire. Unbelievable! Wow. Yeah. The- uh, um, Musk, I don't know how many he's got. He's got $800 billion or something like that. But he's supposed to be the next, the first trillionaire. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting to sit down and calculate, let's say, a 767, and you have 244 people on board, and your round-trip flight is $500 times well, 244. And if you're going five times a week, to calculate that in, times a year, and then you calculate in the jet costs and not even worrying about the pilot. The flight attendants are very good costs. Not the pilot, yeah. the flight attendants. I mean, you yeah. get eight or ten flight attendants. They're huge. You mean they're, they're, they're built huge or are they huge no. <laughs> financially? No, yeah, but, but no, yeah. well, yeah, you know, I mean, seriously, if I was in charge and there weren't all these laws and stuff like that, yeah. I'd hire a whole bunch of these. Asian girls, you know, that weigh a yeah. hundred pounds. Watch out now. Because be you, careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you years have, ago, Jim Holder and I has to carry them. Yeah, Jim Holder and I could leave the house on a three or a four day trip and put twenty dollars and arrive back home with most of it still in our pocket. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there was one guy that went on the Mac operation. He went all the way over to to the theater of war and came back. And I think he spent like a dollar 29 cents or something like that, but <laughs> incredible. <laughs> oh, it's getting out oh, of hand. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, that's, that's pretty good. I got a couple of more things I wanted to say, and that is obituary. Uh, Jim Holder, you probably know about it, but Michael Zoll from time to time now is sending it, put, putting it out on Facebook about, those that uh, have flown west that passed on. And I didn't know, I thought this was Rick, but uh, his obituary was, we regret to inform you of the passing of retired Eastern Captain Norman E. Skip Corwin. 
And he, Captain Mike Donovan reports that Skip died on September 27th, 21, at the age of 91. Now, this was mm-hmm. not related to Rick Corwin, was it, Jim Holden? I don't think so. I, 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 I don't think so, no. Yeah, Rick uh, is about my age, I think. Maybe younger. Yeah. You're talking about but the guy who lives in Tampa? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, uh, big he's younger Rick. than me. He's younger yeah, than me. I, I thought he was. I taught him for one of his uh, li- uh, commercial license, I guess, or instrument rating down in Miami years ago. Not Skip, but Rick Rick Corwin. And uh, yeah. he was based in, in Atlanta most of the time. But at any rate, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah Skip Corwin passed away. And, and um, we've got a new chapter of the Silverliners that has been formed, and boy, they are going great guns. At their first meeting, I think they had over 30 people, and the Silverliners uh, now are international. They're not just Eastern Airlines uh, that was founded in 1954 by three former flight attendants or stewardesses back in those days, and uh, now it's grown to many, many chapters around the country, and in um, Mexico, and I guess uh, before long, uh, it should be international because that's what they call themselves now, Silverliners International. But the latest chapter was formed in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, there were over 30 folks, and the president of that chapter there is President Lydia Davis, and Lydia, uh, she was originally from Los Angeles, but she was uh, hired with Eastern Airlines in 1968, and and she's the president. And then they have a uh, the uh, vice president is Che Che or Chi Stevens, also another Eastern flight attendant. And Diane Mann was a treasurer, and she was uh, with Eastern also. And um, and then they had the secretary who was TWA. So they are a this diverse group of chapters now, but the main thing that people should consider joining that organization is the fact that they do so much charity. Each one of the chapters has its own uh, uh, cause or uh, what they contribute to every year, and so I wish everyone there in Phoenix uh, uh, have a happy chapter there and enjoy it. And um, you've got a great organization, and the magazine itself is worth the membership dues. And you can sign up if you're a flight attendant from anywhere in the world because we do have 50 countries around the world listening to our radio show. Uh, you can go to uh, Silverliners, E-A-L, Silver, uh, I'm sorry, the, T-H-E, Silverliners, Dot org, and there you can look at all the chapters and and fill out a membership application page and join the one nearest you. You'll have a lot of camaraderie there with fellow flight attendants from six over 63. I'm sure they have over 70 now uh, airlines represented. So great organization, great group of gals and guys, and I'm an affiliate member. And I'm going to their lunch on November the 16th here in Jacksonville, Florida. 
Well, that's good. I'm it's sure they wouldn't want me since I recommend only a hundred pound flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have a, a hard time convincing them otherwise. Well, that's uh, any anything else, Jim? You want to? You got a story, or Al, or any story oh, you want to share? Out. Well, the hunting camp. I know you're. How often do you go down to the hunting camp? Tell us about that. Well, I just left yesterday, and I'm going back Wednesday. And, and how long uh, do you stay? You know, it depends on how many guys are down there that want to sit around and tell lies like I do, you know, and <laughs> drink beer. <laughs> Although I did. It sounds I did, fun. Uh, yeah, I get, uh, I get a deer every now and then, but mainly I'm down there for the fun and games, you know. Yeah. Like well, my son says, all we do is tell the same old lies every year. <laughs> yeah. But he grew up in the club, so he he loves it too. Now you got a camper down there? Is that what you have? Yeah, I got a. I, I traded in my RV and got a little uh, by, uh, what they call a hybrid. It's got like a tent at each end that folds out, and you got a lot more room in the middle than what I used to have. And then, and uh, of course, I got TV down there and all that, so I'm I'm just uh, go down there and enjoy it. We have a yeah. bunch of guys. Well, Eastern uh, Pilots Club, but now more than half the members, uh, not even Eastern sons and daughters or anything, you know. Although you one of the Del- daughters got Del- a deal. Delta people day. in there too. You let Delta in? No, we don't have any Delta guys. I don't think is one or two i know we got retired faa guy in there he brings yeah. loads of firewood down we just love him and uh <laughs> let's see uh uh we got took a lot of sons of eastern pilots um you know michael has me as his father down there and he grew up in the club as i've said several times but we have a good time that's that's good i'm going to add one more thing about the 727 back in the day that airplane there were no simulators for us to take our flight training in so we had to go out there and do our stalls and falls in the actual airplane usually after 10 o'clock at night and you go up and sign an altitude and you do your steep turns you do your stall warnings and the stick shaker would go off and you push that nose over and come out of it, and, and uh, we did everything: takeoff and landings, engine failures, everything in the airplane when we got wow. our ratings. Yeah, and hey, um, annual check rides too. Yeah, annual check rides. You know, too. six That's months right. annual check ride. I used to fly second officer, go up with Bill Wynn and check captain yeah. and other captains, yeah. and well, you'd, you'd check in at midnight and get home at five in the morning. Oh, yep. I didn't like that, but I yeah. did it. No, I, I never see the pilots walking around the plane like they used to when I was growing up. Oh, no, no. Well, that could I very don't. well be, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I used to look out the window. You they know, put you're all the on board. And some, and you, I don't know. Yeah, you're, don't you're all on board, and you'd see the pilot walking around looking at the aircraft. And I don't see that. Now you get on board, the well, pilot's already in the seat. Well, heck, they might have cameras installed around 
at the gates and and they just stay inside and watch the camera move around the airplane or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe they have this. a priest come out and sprinkle holy water on the way. Or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh golly! Well, sure, a different age, a different age. Yeah. For sure. We're done. Okay, I remember. Huh? Go go ahead with them. I say we're dinosaurs. We're dinosaurs, yeah. But it was fun being dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. My yep. grandson doesn't understand that we had yep. our day in the sun. He's having his day in the sun. It's a different sun. But uh, but, uh, <laughs> but but at any rate, I wouldn't uh, have asked you about that if I'd known that too. You were talking about earlier that that uh, yeah. Holland guy. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't want to bring it. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have mentioned it. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's all right. Um, it, well, it goes out on the internet. It goes all over the world. <laughs> so <laughs> you put your name down, and uh, that's why George <laughs> wanted to remain anonymous as Captain George. Period. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've been guys. They're well, trying to think of that George. Who that George might be? I ain't telling you. <laughs> I know you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, guys, take care and so long. Appreciate you being with okay. us today. A lot of fun. All right. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. See ya. Bye. Silver wings shining in the sun. Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Don't leave me, I cry. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me. Out of your mind Left me standing Here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in the flight They're taking you away
Okie dokie. Good show. Thanks so much.